Hello to everybody whose life is just beginning. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Guess what? May 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. We've got Beautiful Cononymous coming up, which is our first ever fan celebration. Doing seven shows throughout the weekend. You can go buy a pass for where 125 bucks, you get access to five of those shows to spend the weekend in Brooklyn. Throw down. We've got live tapings. The comedy show lineups are insane. I can't believe those haven't sold out on their own. Meeting all your favorite past callers, it's going to be incredible. So beautifulcononymous.com. Go get those tickets. We don't have too many more weeks to sell these things. Let's make it happen. Let's show up in force. Now, today's episode, first thing I got to do is give you a content warning. For what? For a lot of stuff. Uh, abuse, uh, violence, and right down the line. It, it's it, it's one of these ones that gets dark. But I tell you what, you're going to listen to it and you're going to forget I said that. And you're going to go, what's he talking about? Because you'll hear this one, the details came out very slowly, which makes sense because the details are very intense. But you'll even hear me in the beginning of the call going, well, maybe I can play devil's advocate. And by the end, I'm going, no, no devil's advocate. It's a situation where someone was involved very, very young with someone older. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I walk away thinking about how amazing it is that the caller talked about all the good things going on in her life now before she told us about all the stuff that's not even in her past, stuff she's currently, presently dealing with. I sit here, I go, man, humans are strong. This caller is strong. And I have a feeling this call might offer hope to other people who are facing down some really bad situations right now. So much love to the caller. Much love to anybody out there who's stuck in a situation where you need help. Please find that help. And I hope people get something out of this call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Um, I'm doing pretty well today. I'm a little bit working, uh, a little bit clean in my house. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. It's there's these windows in the northeast where the weather will be perfect for like six days, and we're having one of those days today, so it's really nice. Yeah, it's it's beautiful here too. I uh, have my sheets drying outside on the line for the first time, and I always look forward to that. I'm in the Midwest, so it's very cold up here as well. So I was just out in the Midwest doing some shows. I was in. Detroit and Illinois and St. Louis. All right. Well, I suppose I uh, want to start off by a big sorry, Sally, to begin because I have kind of a sailor's mouth at the fault of my mother because she swears worse than I do. Um, <laughs> but so sorry, Sally. It's good. We'll just get one broad blanket one out and then you don't have to. You don't have to right. apologize to my mom Perfect. anymore. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Because then it's because I I can't promise I won't say something bad. So there it is. I also don't know if my mom listens to the show anymore. My mom might not. Every you once don't know, in a while, probably not by this point. Well, she doesn't ever bring it up. And then what'll happen is I'll go, 
I'll go like, I don't know if my mom even listens anymore. And then I'll get a text from her. Or I'll get a call and she'll be like, I'm always listening. So watch what you say. <laughs> That's funny. Keeping an eye on you. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I, kinda, I have a lot to say. Um, I don't know if an hour would even cover it, but I was going to get started. Um, I'm calling. I've had kind of confusingly one of, it is the worst year that I've ever had in my life. And um, also confusingly been one of the best years that I've ever had. I will kind of start with some of the lighter stuff of the year. So the positive note is I finally finished my RN. Um, so that was good. I've been working on that for about eight years. It took me a long time between having kids and stuff. Congrats. And then in June, my ex, soon to be ex-husband initiated a separation, which I did not want. Oh, no. Um, so that kind of started the downward spiral. We kind of went back and forth on whether or not we were going to separate and I didn't want it still. Um, in September, I got meningitis and was in the hospital for six days, which who gets meningitis? Nobody gets meningitis. So oh, we'll just tack oh, that on. So when did the separation get sprung on you? June. And then three months later, you catch meningitis. Yes. Yeah. And I was yeah off work for a month. I was in the hospital for six days. I was actually using a walker. Um, because I was so unsteady and I just kind of had a really rough time. Um, I was an ER nurse at the time, so I couldn't very well do that. So that was fine and dandy. We lived together through the separation. Even in the year where you go, it's been the best year and the worst year. The good thing you brought up is that you're an RN now, which first of all, congrats and thank you. You know, nurses run things. Thank you. And it's beautiful, but even the happy thing is becoming an RN in an era where healthcare is kind of being squeezed dry monetarily and we're still in the you know, yeah. stretches of COVID. Like that's the happy thing. Yeah. Well, and it was a, such a huge accomplishment for me. Finally, I got my LPN um, when I was 19. I finished that. And back in 2015, and then I had, so I had one year of schooling to go until I had my RN and it took me until this past, um, May just, I mean, had some kids, got married, moved out of state and back and just life. Um, so to finally have that done. And then I landed my dream job as an ER nurse. So that was, that was great. Kind of in the midst of all of that. That's the great. And again, I will say an ER nurse, which is Amazing that you're doing it. I love you know the dream dream job, but it's an intense thing. I'm a volunteer ambulance driver, so I drop people off at the ER, and I know it's mm -hmm. not it's not easy, and it's not always happy no. what you do. So God bless you. No. Um, yeah. So I, I took some time off work. We were still living together. Um, there was some going back and forth on who was keeping the house and such, and. Eventually, he agreed to move down to the basement until he moved out. We were trying to be pretty amicable. We had kind of agreed on most things at that point. Um, he was going to move out this spring. So like now, um, when we did like our taxes and stuff. Um, so he moved down to the bedroom downstairs. Um, and at one point, so I have to introduce another character. <laughs> Uh -oh. He's very important in this as well. We have a mutual best friend of five years. 
we've always just been very good friends, all three of us, the three amigos. Um, it was never anything more than that, but we always did. My ex-husband and I got get the vibe that maybe he had some feelings for me, but he never said or acted on that or anything. So at one point during our separation, my ex-husband told him um, to move me into his house and then told me to marry him. That way he knows that I'm with somebody good. So that's a big red flag control thing, like trying to set up my next partner. That was kind of wild. You. That puts you in a weird situation. It puts that guy in a weird situation too. Yeah. I wonder if it's a control thing or if there's also some element of I'm going to call this out and make it so strange so as to sabotage it in case that's what was going oh, to Oh, that could be. You know, that's actually the first I've thought of that being being the idea. That could be it too. You that should marry her now so as to make that idea sickening yeah. to you. Therefore, it won't happen. Make it awkward and weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. And at the time, I was like, that's ridiculous. He's our best friend. Come on. Like, that's, come on. Um, well, he just continued to be our best friend. And at one point, he grew kind of tired of his shit, um, my ex's shit, because he's kind of a bad friend, too. He's just, I don't know. He's He's very meticulous. And he plays this role of, like, the quiet shy, nice guy in front of everybody else. And our friend was the only other person like outside of his previous relationships and stuff that had really seen like the true him as well. So he kind of got sick of it and he was just really there for me and supportive. Um, not trying to swoop in or anything, but just like, Hey, doing okay. You know, if I ghosted him for a week, he'd be like, Hey, I figured you just needed some space. Hope you're all right. So at one point when I finally decided, no, we're getting divorced for sure. This is done. Um, I obsessively sat. So I have depression, anxiety issues as well. I have for, since I was a child, I had a really rough childhood too, traumatic childhood too. Um, but I obsessively sat for like two days and scrolled through our old text messages all the way back to like 2019. And I started reading stuff and I was like, I am so disgusted with myself that I let him talk to me like that. And that I like accepted that and like would apologize for things. Um, I guess the one example, I was pregnant with our son and I had said, Hey, let's, you know, I'm feeling a little sad. Let's have a date night. And he kind of made a joke out of it. And then I was like, Oh, I'm just feeling a little disconnected from you. Like, um, I don't know, we could even lay in bed and watch a movie and snuggle. And then at one point it turned into him saying things like who asks for affection. That's pathetic. Like who says and does things like that. And I was like, emotionally anyway because I was pregnant too so I was like wow that sucks um so like reading back on it now kind of like looking back on my own relationship now as an outsider I was like what the fuck did I like why did I let that happen let's pause right there because look we've got to pause somewhere so we're going to just take a breath and listen to the advertisers we'll be right back Thanks again to all the advertisers who allow this show to happen. Now let's get back to the phone call. So like reading back on it now, kind of like looking back on my own relationship now as an outsider, I was like, what the fuck did I, like, why did I let that happen? So that was kind of the moment where I was like, nope, we're done. We're going to get divorced. Um, and I just kind of agreed and told him, yeah, I'm also done. 
Now, let me let me ask you this because you said, I think initially you said you didn't want it to happen, uh, but then it sounds like you right. did hit a breaking point where you wanted a divorce. So was it he sprang it on you and then you started dwelling on this stuff in the past and realized actually this is for the best? Yes. Exactly. So how does that, how does it come up? I also hate that too. A guy who says who begs for affection, it's like my, somebody whose right. partner feels very dissatisfied. Right. Yeah. He, I, he was very, very emotionally lacking and he, I mean, he never hit me or anything, but he was very emotionally abusive, very manipulative. And again, I didn't really see these things until I was kind of an outsider of my own marriage, but I had gotten with him when I was 17. So, you know, it's really easy to manipulate somebody at 17 for nine years, you know, to get them exactly molded where you want them. And how many kids do you have? So we have two together. And then um, I have a stepdaughter that is not biologically mine, but I have lived, I lived, I moved in with him when she was six months old um, and she is almost 10. So she's very much my daughter. I have a great relationship with her mom too, still. So um, regardless of divorce and all the other things that have yet to come in this story, she'll always be my daughter and have a bedroom at my house and stuff. So biologically with him, I have two. And then I have my bonus daughter. And uh, this is a lot. To, I mean, what a year you've had. I'm so sorry. It is. There's a lot here. Yeah. I, I got to ask. So how does he bring this up? How does this, how does he bring up this separation? Because it, it sounds like he was a cold guy just based on having said who begs for affection. That's pathetic. That's a very, that's a cold thing to say and a pretty obtuse thing to say. It yeah. also lets you know a lot about this person's ability to have some self-awareness. There's a real lacking of self-awareness in saying that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He like, gives his, you a picture. His ability to take it, like he doesn't take accountability for anything, but so he did kind of, I mean, he used like threatening it as a manipulation tactic for years. Um, but then I don't know, we got into an argument one day and then he started, cause he's passive aggressive as well. So he started sending me links to apartments that he was going to go move into. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Why, what are you doing? And he's like, well, we're going to separate. So that's basically how that is. <laughs> Which is so ridiculous. Yeah, that's just... And very, kind of childish, almost. It's like, a chi I was going to say, because look... I, we got in a fight. I'm in a marriage. I'm not going to pretend my wife and I have never been in a fight. We had a kid. Right. I understand the impact on one's life. I've had stretches where I sit here, I go, Whew, okay, I did not know how hard it was. Everybody told me it was hard. There's no way to really explain to somebody how hard it is. It's doing damage, this vast lifestyle changes the pressure mm -hmm. the pace the relentlessness but to sit here and go i'm gonna yeah. track down apartments and send you links as a threat to like i think you said it perfectly it feels yeah. like a very childish way to deal with all of those feelings that i think any couple who has a absolutely. kid would have absolutely yeah and so his his reasoning once we finally like sat down and discussed it was that I had been treating him like shit for the past year because I was working weekend package and then I went to school during the weeks and then like was study in the evenings after the kids went to bed. Um, so basically he said like, I'm taking care of the kids on the weekends and you're like being mean. Basically. I mean, he would say the words like you're being mean. Like <laughs> I like we are four. 
And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't know what you want from me. I got to work because we got bills to pay and I'm finally finishing school. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, at times I probably wasn't pleasant. Like I'll take accountability for that, but like, can't say that, you know, that's like divorce worthy, but sure. Um, so that was kind of his thing in the beginning. And then he hit this mode over the summer where he just went like cold, major asshole, which he's always cold anyway, but we camp at a permanent campground. We have lots of friends and family that camp there as well. So he would just completely like ghost me and ignore me and pretend like I wasn't there unless it was to be like, here's the kids. I'm going to go up on the trails. And he would even be like, don't talk to me. We're supposed to be getting separated, like very childish behavior. Yeah, I have to say, because it is, you know, I'm always aware, especially when I've gotten calls about people with relationship stories. I'm always aware that it's fair to say, I'm hearing your side of the story. He's going to have his side right. of the story. And I'm aware of that. And I need that to be said. I, I tend to trust the people I'm on the phone with because I'm on the phone with them. But I'll say, it does sound to me, it, the tough part is I sit here, I go, I think any married person, let alone married people who decide to have kids together, have had versions of the fights you are describing. But to take it to the point of, here's the link of where I'll move when I leave you, or we're going to go camping at this place that means a lot to us and I just won't even speak to you. It just feels... Exactly. It feels like I've had these, as you're saying it, I'm sitting here going, well, I feel sympathy for both of you, actually, because I know my version of those fights, but I don't know my version of, and now I'm going to stomp off down a trail into the wilderness after having not spoken to you. That's that's like preteen behavior. It is, yeah. Um, so fast forward back to about around the time I had meningitis. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Oh, I no, have ADHD, so I can't remember if I took my Adderall today or not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's either retake it and take too much. Or forget if I took it and then not take it. So in September, um, he met this girl at our campground. I had never seen her before, but apparently she had camped there for a while on the other side. And she was like crying up at like a band that was playing. And he like basically sweeped her off her feet and to be emotionally supportive for her. And then convinced me that they were just friends and that she needed somebody to be supportive. Um, and then... When he finally agreed to move bedrooms, he was very rushed and sudden about it. So I was like, well, that's sus. Why, why do you suddenly want to move downstairs um, when me and the kids are leaving for the weekend? So anyway, long story short, this girl he convinced me was just a friend. I mean, we were separated, but he brought her into our marital home uh, for the weekend while I was gone and slept with her and had her at the house and all of that stuff. Stuff. So that happened in September, right before I got meningitis. And then you get meningitis. Because, look, that's one of these ones where I go, his side of the story is going to be that you were separated. I hear what you're saying of, did he have to bring him to the house you guys all shared together when you were gone for a weekend? That's Right. Well, and that's what I told him, too. I said, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. Go to her house, get a hotel, go to, in your car somewhere else and act like the preteen you're being. But don't do it in my house. I was also going to say, too, maybe even more importantly than don't do it in your house. Like, you know, all your kids, your kids are going to be back in a couple of days. Just go get a hotel room. Exactly. You know, like... It would be one thing if you two didn't have kids, then even then it feels disrespectful, but 
with the kids, uh-huh. you go, this, it feels like, you know what it is? It's like, there's gotta be some boundaries where this is a protected space for them. And you're clearly making it clear that it's yeah. not. Anyway, all right. I'm, I'm progressively not, I'm trying to give no. the benefit of the doubt to everybody. I'm progressively liking him less yeah. as I hear you more. Yeah, it's fine. Just, you just, you just wait, Chris. You just hold, oh, are you okay. wearing a hat? Hold on to it. I'm not. Should I put one on just so I can hold on to it? I don't have any hats near you, me. You should. Unfortunately. You should have a seat. If you're not, you should hold on to your hat. It gets, it's, I mean, this, this hit me with start, it. So I gotta, I gotta keep moving. Hit so me with it. We got 40 minutes left. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. Um, so, so that's all happening. Um, after that October ish was around the time where I had gone through the text messages and decided, um, everything between us became very transactional at that point, very straightforward. Um, you know, he had the kids three days a week because I worked evening shifts. So he would pick them up. I would take them to daycare. He would pick them up from daycare and bring them home. Um, he ended up getting a second job bartending because he wasn't going to be able to afford to move out on his own which is why I wanted to keep the house because otherwise we were just going to lose the house because I knew he couldn't afford it. But he, so he got it. He, when I would be home with the kids, he would be out bartending. So we very rarely had like mutual time at the house together. So it was good. Um, and then at some point I convinced him to let me, or he convinced me to agree to paying half of his truck payment after like he moved out. Um, and I don't know how I let it happen too, but I, he used my income to get on the loan, but he didn't put me on the title of that truck. So I was, I was just, I think just to get him to leave me alone. I was like, fine. Yeah, I'll do that. Come November ish. Um, I kind of started realizing like, you know, maybe these, all these times where like I've been with this friend of ours, you know, I mean, he was just so supportive and so great. I was like, I think I have feelings for him. I just started thinking it. And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. You're just being reactive because you're lonely. Don't, don't say anything that you, that would be so dumb. I even posted on Reddit at one point and then I deleted it. Never. I've <laughs> I was never, like, no, you're not. Listen, I understand the potential of that website to connect people in communities. I've had so many times where I, I, I've deleted all my accounts because so many times where things just went so wrong so fast. I'm glad you deleted that Reddit post. Yeah, well, I've had good feedback on it. You know, I had some people say, go for it. If he's the love of your life, go for it. And other people being like, eh, you could ruin the friendship. And so it's fine. But then I was like, I'm just going to delete this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of thinking to myself, like, well, just give it time. Like, if it is real feelings for him and it's not just, you know, he is your best friend and you're lonely, you know, then in the future, you you can get to that point then. Um, the week of Thanksgiving, I finally was like, you know what? That is ridiculous. Like, I, I, I mean, it's been for years. I just, I always thought it was just like what it was like to have a best friend. Like when he would come over to grill with us, I'd be like, I could be in a terrible mood and then I'd be all excited and happy and we'd all be having a good time except for my ex because he just would sit there with a grumpy look on his face everywhere we went, no matter what. Um, literally I don't think I have a single picture of him smiling, but I was like, no, I think, I think that this whole time, like that this person is my soulmate. I know that's cheesy and cliche, but, um, and so I, we happened to be in the same town. We live in the same town, but we were both out of town for holiday things and it happens to be in the same town. (laughs) So I text him and said, let's grab a drink. And 
um, we met up and I, this is so dumb and story, but cliche. I said, open the door to your truck. I have to say something before I throw up. And he's like, what, what? And I just kind of spilled it all out. And then he kissed me and said, I was waiting for you to shut up so that I could kiss you. And, um, we're still together. He, he is truly the love of my life. I've never felt been made to feel so happy and loved and he loves my kids and my kids love him. Um, so I think everything else that we're going to get to and like all the other shitty things that I've been through in my life are things I had to go through to get to him and to get my kids. I'm like weirdly the least depressed that I've ever been since like, I remember like I've been depressed and anxious since I was a child. So I just, and this is like the least depressed and the happiest that I've probably ever been, which is insane. Well, you said you got together with your ex when you were 17. Yeah. Well, no offense to 17 year olds who might be listening, but you are still a child then. So to hear that you got away right. from this guy. Right. It was very guy, dumb. I, I should not have done them. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like to hear that you got away from this and all of a sudden you're going, I'm less depressed. And it was, it was a separation you initially were kind of pushing back against and didn't want. And then a bunch of games got yeah. played and a bunch of childish stuff happened. And I, I got to say from the outside, I'm not shocked to hear you're less depressed than you've ever been because I mean, you got involved yeah. with your ex before your brain had even fully formed, right? Like, right. You know, and he had a, a baby and I was raising his baby like an adult. You were 17 raising his baby. Yeah. Which I don't <sighs> regret either because I love her and she's my child and she'll always be. She's, you know, the light of my life. She, I mean, I, she, I didn't give birth to her, but she made me a mother. And I'm very grateful to have such a good relationship with her mom. Her mom and her stepdad are amazing people. Um, but yeah, I mean, at 17, that, that's not something I should have, that, you know, that's not a place I should have been, but I did. And that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, our relationship again, as an outsider of it, myself now looking back has, was terrible from the start, like the very beginning, he, it was awful. And how old were you when you gave birth to your two biological kids? Um, so I'm 26. Uh, my son will be two this week. And then I have a four-year-old daughter. You're 26. So you rate, how old was he when you got together? 21. That's a big piece of the puzzle you leave out right there. right now, Chris. Well, that's a big piece of the puzzle (laughs) to leave out until right now. You're 26. You're 26? Yes. Your life is just beginning. Of course you're not depressed. Your life finally gets to begin. I know. It's great. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we're going to have to go through still and my kids and everything because there's more to come, but it is just beginning. And I truly believe that I'm going to be with, I mean, my, my, my boyfriend, I don't know. He's just so polar opposite. He smiles and he's happy and he talks to me about everything and his feelings when he's having a bad day. And, you know, if he's anxious about something, he'll share it with me and he validates my feelings, but he also keeps me in check respectfully. If I need, you know, if I'm a little, I'm because I have ADHD and depression, anxiety, sometimes I get a little off the wall. Can I give you a piece of advice? Yeah. Just offering something up to someone who I've only known for 28 minutes. And I'm not a therapist. I say it on the show, but I do want to just point something out. We got to talk about the fact that he was 21 and married a 17 year old. We're going to talk about it, but you were a kid. 
I mean, I could I could hear your thoughts. When, oh my! You could hear the the, the, the thoughts of the entire beautiful anonymous <laughs> listenership is what you you heard a whole bunch of us doing math in our head going wait 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 what yeah you heard everybody listen you yeah. heard a hundred thousand people all doing math in their heads at once but i just want to point one other quick thing out little piece of advice that i don't think is overstepping any boundaries which is that i said your life finally begins you're 26 i will i can tell you so genuinely and again i had my kid when i was 39 i was old i was on the older end you were on the much younger end by modern standards uh-huh. But I think about all the stuff that happened after I was 26 and good God, I wouldn't even tell you that my life had really gotten going by the time I was 26, looking back on it. But I just want to point one thing out. As I said to you, you know, your life is just beginning. Things finally get to begin now. And you very quickly started telling me how happy you are with your current boyfriend. And that's great. And I love it. And I'm thrilled for you. And if he's the love of your life and you wind up with him forever, I think that's awesome. If you wind up having more kids with him and you're happy, I think that's fantastic. But I also just want to say, there's got to be a way for you to fully invest in that relationship, experience all the joy of it, while also embracing the fact that your life begins. Not your life with a new guy, you separate yeah. from all these other guys. Because no matter how good this new guy is, that old guy was a childish manipulator who married a teenager. Yeah. No matter how you slice it, I'm sitting here trying to give him benefit of the doubt for the first 15 minutes. Then I found out he married you when he was crossing over into uh, well, being a grown-up. Well, in fairness, up. I you wasn't. We didn't get married until I was 21, but I moved in with him when I was 17. You started raising so, his child when you were a 17-year-old. No matter yeah. how you want to slice it, doesn't it, make it, any it raises a major eyebrow. Um, no, and I am finally, like, finally finding myself again because, you know, kind of when I was beating myself up about allowing him to treat me the way he did, you know, I was depressed as a teenager, a younger teenager, but I was thinking to myself, like, had 15-year-old me would have been so disappointed in, like, 17 through 25-year-old me, 26-year-old me. Because 15-year-old me was, like, a spunky, take-no-shit, like, fuck-you-and-your-thoughts kind of person. But also, like, respectfully. <laughs> so I was, like, I would be my, I would have been so disappointed in myself. And I'm finally finding that. Uh, like I'm, I am just so genuinely happy and I'm, I have more patience with my kids and I, and I'm able to enjoy doing things. And like, I have energy to take them to do stuff because I'm not expected to keep the house spotless anymore. You know, I can say, fuck it, let's have a messy house and let's go eat ice cream for dinner outside if we want to today, because why not? Like we're, I'm, I am so much happier just in general. Um, I've also had some other life changes that we're sad that had to occur because of what happened um, that we have yet to get to. We're almost there that have turned out to actually be very positive for me and my kids. So I want to hear about them. I do just have to ask before we move on though, when you were 17 and moved in with a 21 year old who had a kid, did your family Mm -hmm. just fucking freak out? So, So what happened was I graduated high school when I was 16. I wasn't super smart or anything. Don't think that. I mean, it took me forever to finish my RN. I just got lucky because I moved to a different school like halfway through high school and they required less credits. 
Um, and I was working full time as a CNA, a nursing assistant. And I actually was friends with, <laughs> it's just another piece. Of story. <laughs> I was friends with his, with my stepdaughter's mom, um, well before I knew him and well before she knew him. So we all moved in together into a big house. And when I was 17, I would just stay there a lot, like after work. And then finally one day I just told, like, I just told my parents, like, I live here now. Um, So they didn't like love it, but at the same time, they're divorced and living separately. And then I was working full time out of high school and was just like, okay, I live here and pay my own bills now. And they were like, no. And I was like, yes. And that just kind of happened. So. And then during the course of that, we ended up together because after he made her have to move out and her and I have since talked about how manipulative he was to her and stuff too. He then, you know, convinced me and manipulated me into thinking that she was this terrible, crazy person. And then eventually we ended up together, um, which we've now realized is not the case. And she is a wonderful human and I love her very much. So that's how we ended up. So your parents were like, we don't want you living in this house, in this situation. And that's before you even got together. I can't even imagine what the reaction was. Well, they were just like, I don't know if it's like you're 17. Like, I don't know if you need to be like moving out right now. And I just, but I just kind of did it. I mean, I guess they technically could have stopped me more, but they didn't. I don't know. A couple other follow-up questions. This woman who he brought down to the basement, how old was she? Uh, the like in September, the woman who you said, "What are you doing? Go get a hotel room." Yeah, um, I think she's in her late twenties, early thirties. Okay, I'm shocked. She's also going through a divorce and has a bunch of kids and stuff. So I don't know. Okay, okay, because I can't help but notice you're sitting here studying to go to school to become a nurse, and he's going, "You're mean to me," and it's also hard to not yeah. start to feel like when a 21-year-old gets together with a 17-year-old and she raises his kid, if it doesn't start to feel like any sense of her having some empowerment or some ability of self-realization isn't going to make him start to act like a baby. And I'm piecing all these puzzle pieces together and I'm very happy for both you and your kids that you got out of there. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, for years it was, um, I, and I think, and you know, I did take accountability kind of through it. I was like, I did start to get, I told him, I did start to get kind of short with you and get kind of snippy with you because I got tired of it. I got tired of, you know, the emotional, the lack of emotional support from you, the lack of, and he said, I supported you. And I'm like, okay, well, like sending me a text after I tell you how excited I am, I passed the test that just says, oh, good job. Is like that doesn't count as emotional support. Like when I'm sobbing because I have depression, anxiety, and you text me and say, "Can you keep it down up there?" Like, come on! Like your text he did about that? passing my test is not emotional support. You're sobbing and like having a panic attack, and he texts you, "Keep it down." Yeah, can you or like can you like cry somewhere else? I'm trying to work. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck so, this child molester! I'm done. I'm done looking it. for benefit of the doubt. <laughs> fuck this child molester! He can go fuck himself. <laughs> As you can see, the dam is starting to break. No more benefit of the doubt. No more trying to see both sides of the story. This one's getting dark fast, and believe me, 
it somehow gets even darker. We'll be right back. Thank you again to everybody who sponsors the show. Now let's finish off the phone call. Yeah, can you, or like, can you like cry somewhere else? I'm trying to work. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck this child molester. I'm done. I'm done <laughs> looking for benefit of the doubt. Fuck this child molester. He can go fuck himself. I'm done. Done. You just wait, Chris. Tell me, tell me more. 24 minutes left. What else? Okay, okay, we'll get there now. We're gonna we're gonna go there right now. Okay, so we start seeing each other, my boyfriend and I. New boyfriend. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we're we're back to November. So we're seeing each other. Um I had I'm a big spreadsheet person. I love spreadsheets. So I had made a spreadsheet with like our custody stuff. Um, like for now, while we were still living in the same house. And then like for the future, just so we could kind of look ahead to the next year in case he wanted to plan any trips or anything. So we could kind of get weekends figured out and stuff. And so he had the kids on December 31st at his dad's house for their Christmas. So my boyfriend took me out on a date. We went to dinner. We went and had a glass of wine and listened to actually who turned out to be like, I don't know. He was amazing. I just like a random guy singing in a bar with some live music, but he was phenomenal. Um, I did that for just a little bit, went back early to his house. Um, I had one more glass of wine. We watched a movie and we were trying to fall asleep. Um, and so we're trying to fall asleep. My kids and him are at his dad's in a different part of town. And so my ex called me around midnight. Um, and I didn't answer because I was like, that's ridiculous. We're not going to do that. Um, and then he called me again. And we always had this thing when we were married, call once to talk, call twice for an emergency. So I was like, okay, well, I have to answer because what if something's wrong with the kid? So he's very calm. I mean, I can't, so I have to be careful what I say because this is still an active case. Um, so I can't like say a whole lot of too much, but um, he was very calm on the phone in how he was talking to me. You know, he had even said the words like, I'm, I won't be mad. Um, but he was asking if I was with, I just said his name, bleep that oh, out. That's okay. We're going to bleep <laughs> Sorry. that name. Okay. So he, he was asking if I was with my boyfriend and I was like, yes. And he said, are you seeing each other? And I was like, I don't want to talk about this. I know you're drunk. Cause that's how holidays at his dad's house go. Um, I said, we can talk about it tomorrow. And he asked again, you know, whatever. And I finally was like, yes, but we're done talking now. He was very calm through the whole thing. Um, I don't want to get into much more of the phone call, but that was really it. The main gist of it is that he was very calm on the phone. So I asked at the end, like, are the kids okay? And he's like, yeah, why wouldn't they be? But then we hung up. And again, I I said already, I have like terrible anxiety issues. Um, And so I could not sleep after that. I just was rolling all around, just like, because in the past, he's been, he's done some really dumb stuff while he's drunk, too. We can, I got stories about that, too, if you want to come back to the time he called the cops on himself. But I was just, I, I was worried. And I didn't want to make a big, bigger thing out of it because I was like, well, there's no way his family's going to let him leave and, like, drive with the kids or something. But um, so I didn't want to call his parents. So his sister and I are actually friends or had, were at the time. I just sent her a Snapchat and said, Hey, um, just generically, cause she's got a kid the same age and said, Hey, are the kids sleeping? How are they doing? Um, and she's like, yeah, they're sleeping. They're fine. So finally I kind of was able to relax and try to fall asleep again. Um, my boyfriend couldn't sleep either cause I was flopping all around talking about how anxious I was. I'm like, just as I was starting to fall asleep, finally we heard a noise and I was like, what is that? Is the heater kicking on? Um, he lives in a split foyer. So the garage is below the bedroom. And then when it got to the end, you know, like when the garage door opens and then it like stops, it's a distinct sound. 
So we both kind of realized at the same time that it was the garage door opening and it was somewhere around 2 a.m. And I was like, no, the fuck he's not. And I'm here thinking he's like coming in to, I don't know, punch him in the face or like do something, you know, like that. Um, and so like before we even got to the bedroom door, he bust through the door and I was standing over where I couldn't see him. And then I just heard my boyfriend say, um, blank, his name, put down the gun. And I was Get like, out of here. Holy fuck. You're telling me this when we only have 19 minutes left. Yeah. There's a lot to cover in this guy's story, Chris. So anyways, what ends up happening with that? I can, I can pretty much sum this part up quickly and catch you up to present day for questions um he we we wrestled around the room for a while i think we found out it was like a few minutes long um and what do you mean you wrestled around who wrestled around well i mean we we were trying to get the gun away from him you and your current boyfriend trying to wrestle a gun away from your ex after he breaks into your your current boyfriend's house yes um and to be this... to be fair, like at the very start of it, I was like, "This is ridiculous. He's not going to shoot me. I'm the mother of his kids." And then partway through, I was like, "Wait, no, you dumb bitch. He'll absolutely shoot you. <laughs> um, what are you thinking?" So somehow, I don't want to say by the grace of God because I'm not religious, but I, it sounds good. So we're going to say that I convinced him to go put it down, and he put it down, and then he like stayed in the other room, and I was like, "No, now walk away." Um, so I ran in there, I took it apart and I kept it with me, ran outside to make sure my kids weren't in the vehicle and then came back inside. They were arguing a little more or whatever. And then he finally left. So we called the police. Um, they came. So he's currently, and that's why I can't get in too in depth on some of the story right now, but he's currently facing, um, seven charges. He's facing attempted murder. Um, burglary, first degree, domestic assault with a weapon, DUI, and then going armed with intent, um, reckless use of a firearm and commission of a crime. Oh, something about using a gun while drinking. I don't know that one for sure, but there's seven total of the two felonies, the domestic and then the other ones um, that he's currently facing. So he broke up with um, you. Right. If he if he I asks know. for the divorce, he can't show up drunk with a gun. I mean, you can't do that anyway. You can't do that under. Let me be clear to anyone listening. Under no circumstances do I think you could show up drunk with a gun. But especially not when you're the one who caused it all. I know. Well, and so my thing is, is he, you know, I think he was trying to lay the groundwork, but then he realized like, Oh, I lost all control now. And so that was like his kind of breaking point was like, he realized he had actually in fact lost all control of me. Like that week I had also told him like, I'm not paying for half the truck. That's unreasonable. I have to get a new vehicle myself. And, you know, so I think he just finally realized like his grasp on me was gone and he didn't like it. So, um, he went to jail He's out right now. His dad posted a very, very large cash bond. Um, he's on a, like a pretrial supervision. So he has an ankle monitor, but he's not on house arrest. So, but it like puts our addresses of work in the ho- and home and daycare and stuff in it. So he can't go near those places. And we've had two jury trial dates set and they've both been pushed back. Um, we're just kind of waiting now to see if the county attorney offers a plea deal and he accepts or if we're going to go to trial or what's going to happen with that. But so 
that's kind of the big blow up. <laughs> that's there. a hell of a and bomb to drop. <laughs> that deep into the call. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it took us a long time to get there because there's course. so much to unpack. It was truly a track you gotta lie. And here I'm in the beginning going, Well, yeah, once you break up, I mean get a hotel room with the kids are in there. So I'm like, Oh god, why did I ten why did I spend even ten seconds worrying <laughs> about this? It's a gun wielding lunatic who tried to hold a teenager uh, as as his uh subservient wife until she finally decided to get a job and then he freaked out. So lunatic. <laughs> right. So where I'm at now and I had said earlier we can get to that later about my happiness and stuff. Um being an ER nurse was my dream job and I absolutely loved it. I did start experiencing some really bad panic attacks after the incident obviously. Um of course. I noticed they were happening a lot while I was at work. Um, I think, well, so I'm kind of a chaotic person. I, th I thrive in chaos, to be honest. Oh, and I think that's why I did so well as an ear nurse. <laughs> Based on what you've told me thus far, I can't yeah. imagine that anyone would describe your life as chaotic. So I think what was happening was, is I, like, I typically thrive in that mildly chaotic environment like the ER. But then my personal life was so chaotic as well. That like I think it just would like overload me, and I would have a panic attack like almost every day at work. Um, I miss so much work, and then I was doing the kids myself. Um, I don't have any family here. My family is an hour and a half to two hours away, so the only person I have here is my boyfriend um, and my neighbors, who are my friends. But I ended up ultimately making the decision to leave that job. So I went three, four weeks without a paycheck. Um, it got really rough for a while. I was really, really down. Couldn't pay any of my bills or do anything. Um, I got a little bit of help from my parents. And then uh, my boyfriend helped out too. He paid some of my rent and stuff that I needed covered. And then I ended up finding a new job. And I was unsure about it. But I've since started. And I love it. And it is so good for the work-life balance and for my kids. So I am now like managing urgent acute care clinics. Um, what, there's three of clinics? them that I manage. Urgent and acute care. Oh, so still in the so realm of, like, of what you studied. Like a walk-in clinic. Yeah. So I'm the manager. I'm the, I'm the supervisor. I do all the scheduling, um, all the call-ins. I also am a nurse, so I can fill in to help if I need to. Um, I'm salaried in my position, so today I'm working from home because um, I'm having some issues with my vehicle. I can work four 10-hour days if I need to take a Friday off for my kids. You know, if they're sick, I can work from home. I don't have to worry about it. It's so amazing, and my kids have loved having me home every night for bedtime, and it's it's huge. I'm I'm really happy. Like I was really sad to leave the ER, but I'm I'm really really happy that I found something like this that pays so well. And allows me to have such a good balance with life for my kids, too. Well, I have a few questions. Yes, ask away. First one is the most important one. Because, you know, you're telling me the story and you're telling me how happy you are. It's obviously also really concerning. I mean, I've even made a couple jokes along the way, you know, which is what I do when I hear tension. That's my natural instinct. But most important question. I mean, me too. Obviously, yeah, I think I can feel that. You and I are similar in some ways, but the most important question is how are the kids doing? Um, well, uh, my 
son is the youngest. I don't know. He's just happy to exist. He's, he doesn't, he has no clue what's going on. You know, um, my four year old, she struggled a lot more at the beginning, um, when he just kind of disappeared and she's made some statements since that were really sad, but in general, she does well. I came to with my therapist and I put her in therapy came to like, uh, what I could tell her, you know, because I couldn't just say, you know, he went on a work trip or he went away or she's too smart to accept that. Um, she was not going to accept that as an answer. I had to have something for her to wrap her head around. So I just explained to her what a law was. Um, and I told her that daddy broke the law and I don't know when she's going to get to see him again. I also don't, I mean, I think he's dangerous and scary and I think that he needs some serious mental health help before he can see them again. But I also don't want to completely paint him in their heads. You know, I want to facilitate whatever type of relationship I can still for them, for the kids. So I just tell her, you know, he loves you and he misses you too, but we can't talk to him and I don't know when you'll get to see him again. Um, And so now she accepts it. She'll say like, I miss my daddy, but then she'll say, but I know he broke the law and he has to be in trouble. Um, and then I also made a box and did letters to daddy on it. And then she sometimes colors pictures and makes cards and puts them in the box and stuff. So it's like Perfect. her way of communicating it, but not. Now, another question. You mentioned you don't have any family. Obviously, your boyfriend is nearby, but your family's not. You ever think about moving? You ever think about just putting some physical distance between you and this guy in the past? Yes. So we, that's the plan. Um, I legally can't move right now because our divorce is in process. Even and so I can't take the kids the out of jurisdiction. At you, they don't go, okay, you can move. No, <laughs> isn't it ridiculous? He's actually requesting visitation too. So that's something we're currently going through. Which, I mean, like currently right just, now before the criminal ridiculous. trials, he wants to, he can't sense that. Yeah. Now. He's requesting, like, I'm waiting for my lawyer to respond to me about like talking about that. Because he's like actively trying to seek visitation, which I think they is might ridiculous. Make you do it. In our justice system, you can try to kill their mother and then ask to see your kids. And then, and then there are still people in this world who don't understand. Oh, I'm about to get on a high horse, but I hear stories like that, and I go, "There are still people who want to go online and be like, women, you know, women's rights have gone too far," and it's like. No, like the system is built in a way where you have to hang out and see what a court says instead of being able to get you and your kids a a physical distance away from a guy who pointed a gun at you in bed. Like that's not I'm not being a snowflake or a white knight or woke to say that that system is slanted in a way it's 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 bad. It's bad. And then I know there will be people who say custody laws always favor women over men and this and that. But you sit here, you go, when it comes to abuse, the system is built so heavily skewed in a way where a scared woman has to stay scared while the system takes its time. And it's fucked up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So him and Blair are just dragging out the divorce as long as they can. Um, I can't move the kids out of jurisdiction. But we do plan to, well, and now I've found this job that I'm in love with and um, it'll be great for my resume too. So, you know, I plan to stay for a couple years, maybe year two, um, and then we're going to move out that way towards my family. He's got, my boyfriend's got some family out there too, and it's closer to his parents, which are a little bit further away um, than that. 
So the plan is in a couple of years to look for some land, um, buy, buy a place out there for our dogs to run and our kids to run and that. But for now, we're just trying to, I'm trying to get through the divorce and we're trying to get through the criminal stuff and find out what's happening. If he's going to, if there'll be a plea deal or if we have to go to trial or what we're going to do. So, yeah. So his lawyers now dragging the feet, dragging, they're dragging their feet on the divorce that again, he initiated and you initially did not want. Right. To be honest, I think his lawyer might just be kind of an idiot. Cause like he just like doesn't respond to my lawyer for weeks. And then like, I'll get a text from my ex-father-in-law and he'll be like, um, you might want to respond to this, but his lawyer said this on this date. And I'm like, well, one, you're breaking the no contact order right now. And two, no, my lawyer hasn't heard anything from him. So you better check with your lawyer because I think he's kind of dumb because he doesn't respond to anything ever. Jeez. So they're just dragging their feet. Cannot believe everything you've been through and you're 26. You know me either, to be honest. But like, I mean, I can say, I guess, better me than somebody else. Um, not really, but like, I don't know. I had, like I said, I had kind of a, I mean, kind of a, not, I don't want to say I had a bad childhood because I had loving parents and I, you know, wasn't abused or anything, but I grew up with a severely alcoholic father, um, grew up way too fast as a child, uh, dumping his beers out and taking his keys away after he passed out and stuff, but he's sober now. Um, he's been sober since I was probably around 19 which is amazing. He's an amazing grandfather. Um, my kids love their papa very much. So, but you know, back then I think, I don't know. And I think that I can handle a lot of things and I handle them as much as I can with humor and grace and trying to get through it. And, you know, I think that there was, there's times where for sure I had like passive suicidal ideation i can i've never wanted to like actually hurt myself that's actually been one of my huge anxieties is dying and leaving my kids but like better me than somebody else because i i can handle it and i can handle it somehow and i do have a support system even though they're far away you know things like this happen to women who are completely alone and then they have nowhere to turn with them and their kids and they end up in homeless shelters and things like that and i'm very grateful and fortunate that you know it's been really hard and it's been really rough on me and I've had to deal with a lot of stuff. So I'm not discounting that for myself, but, um, I mean, I, it, I definitely could be in a worse situation. It's a hell of a story. And I hope we have four minutes left. So there, I mean, there's so much to wrap up with, but I do just want to get it on record and make sure you hear that. I hope that the next two thirds of your life are just a lot more peaceful and a lot less tumultuous. Because nobody deserves this. I gotta ask if you look back throughout the whole story, and I know too, I'll say this I'm aware that you have two children with this person. That's a special thing. And your kids are special people and they're here. And you sound like you've worked really hard as a mom to try to keep, you know, try to make sure this doesn't mess with their heads as much as possible, even though obviously it is going to on some level. It sounds like you're fighting the good fight. When you look back through the course of your life, especially in the context of everything you've told me today, are there any red flags that you can look back and realize you sensed at any point along the way that that maybe you rationalized or ignored in the moment, but that you look at it now and you go, oh, absolutely. Yeah. What are those? Because those could be very helpful for other people to hear. 
I'm and I could literally I've literally thought about writing a book um, and, and I was going to title it hindsight is a red flag because there's been red flags flying since day one that I didn't realize until now. Just everything from like money stuff. So I handled all the bills and stuff. Um, but he and again, I'm a spreadsheet person. So I would put everything on a spreadsheet and do all this and that. And sometimes I would have to move things around to make it work when we were in lower places, you know, and. Um, and then, so he would go out and spend a whole bunch of money on something, I don't know, say some new boots or a new something for hunting. And then it would come time for a bill and he'd be like, why is this late? And I'm like, well, I had to move these things around to do this because you purchased this. And he's like, oh, it's my fault that you, that I, that the bills are late because I made one purchase. Um, and like prior to this, I can't tell you the last time I bought myself some like new clothes, you know, or anything like that, because like, I never could. So it's like technically I controlled the money, but he had me so like manipulated and stuff that like I controlled the money in a way that it would benefit him basically because he started that kind of grooming and manipulation process so early was a big one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's there's so many. feel like you were groomed from the start. Yeah, truly, to be honest, I, I mean, we had some good times in our relationship. I can't say like the entire thing was absolutely dreadful. We had some good times. Um, but I think at the very beginning, I think that he saw, you know, I've been in the mindset of success since I was a child. I knew I wanted to be a nurse. I knew I wanted to have a family and be a nurse and go places and do things. And I think he saw that. And I think he saw himself as a single father. And I think that he snatched me up to help him take care of his daughter, to be honest. And you know, um, I think that he did develop some kind of love for me along the way. But I don't think that like the initiation of our relationship was out of love or like a desire for love. I think that it was because he knew that I would be a good mother figure for her. And I am and I will be forever still for her. But it's wild too, because 21 and 17 is an age gap where a lot of people would go, well, should a 21-year-old get in trouble for dating a 17-year-old? And I feel like the argument is like, sometimes no, because those are age gaps that you see all the time amongst people when they're older. But like, sometimes, yeah. yeah. And your story is why it's sometimes, yeah. Like your exact story. It's the one where you go, oh, yeah, there is a level of manipulation that's possible there. And yeah. level of control you felt where I think anybody would say that yeah. the age was a big factor. Oh, I mean, we're out of time. Clearly, there's so much more we could talk about. Where do you want to leave Absolutely. things? At, at, yeah. In closing, what's the, what's the final message you want the people to hear? Yeah, I mean, don't ignore your red flags for sure. Because I, I mean, at one point, I hopefully have enough time to say this. Um, I found myself saying to myself, God, I hope that no, that our daughters never marry somebody like you and our son doesn't turn out like you. I never said it to him. I said it to myself and that I should have left at that point. Um, but I was just so in deep. So don't ignore your red flags. Um, at least investigate them. Don't, don't let yourself get manipulated out of them right away. And if you're with someone who gets mad at your ambition, you got to start really questioning what that's about yeah and also there's a there's a somewhere there's another side feel good i feel happy i feel like i can leave a mess if i want to and not get yelled at for it and i can do you know my kids are my kids are happier we're we're there's another side to it so 
And I just also, I feel like the last thing I need to say to you is I'm just like sitting here going, you're 26. You're at the beginning of so much. Your kids are going to be out of the house in college and you're going to be my age now. And (laughs) I feel older than ever. I feel old. Certainly, I feel like I'm in my 40s, but I'm like, you're going to have, you're going to have so many stretches where you get to live a life Mm -hmm. that's defined by you and not by choices that were made with this guy when you were a teenager and man is that a beautiful thought yeah thank you thank you thank you for talking and sharing that story that was an intense one yeah yeah i mean nine years for a while i thought nine years man it's nine years gone but you know what like you said now i have the whole rest of my life to give my full self to myself and to my kids Caller, so sincerely, thank you. You shared so much right there. So many things that aren't easy to share. I can't imagine. I hope you're okay. I hope your loved ones are okay. I hope all the people helping you are okay. And I hope if there's anybody out there who hears this, they get something out of it and that they're okay too. And I thank you, Anita Flores, for producing the show. I thank you, Jared O'Connell, for engineering the show. I thank you, Shell Shag, for the theme music to the show. If you want to know more about me, including my live tour dates, chrisgeth.com. Don't forget, beautifulcononymous.com for information on our festival. Wherever you're listening, hit that button that says subscribe, favorite, follow. Find our merch at podswag.com. If you want the episodes ad-free, you want to go to stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code stories for one month free. And hey, if you like this podcast, the best thing you can do to help us out, tell people about it. Tell them you like it. Bye, everybody. <laughs>